Welcome to the New Faces of Democracy podcast, the show featuring ordinary people doing extraordinary things to stand up for our democracy. I'm your host, Nancy Bynum. This podcast celebrates people who have transformed their lives since 2016 and are transforming our political landscape by organizing, running for office, and generally stepping outside of their comfort zones. I hope their stories will inspire you to take action on your own. Head on over to newfacesofdemocracy.org for easy links to subscribe, follow on social media, and to get more inspiration. On today's podcast, I'm speaking with Susan Rogan, founder of the political action newsletter Rogan's List. A self-proclaimed retired grandmother in a recliner, Susan is also an activist icon thanks to her newsletter that has been dropping into inboxes since two days after the 2016 election. Having spent her career as an academic librarian, Susan talks about how she puts her organizational and research skills to use in a new way with the newsletter. We also talk about new opportunities in activism created by the pandemic and the joy she gets from helping people take action. Listen to the end to hear the most important action steps she thinks you should take right now. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Susan Rogan. Susan Rogan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Nancy. It's a pleasure. So I would love to start off with talking about what your life looked like prior to November 2016. What were you doing? What was your career? I had retired three times by then from three different library kinds of jobs. And in 2013, my oldest daughter died. And the summer of 2016, I was ready to find something to do. And I couldn't quite figure out what I wanted to do. There were so many options. But November 8th, 9th made it very clear what I should do. So prior to that, I was a grieving mother who still had kids at home and was going through the motions and wanting to find a new focus. So let's fast forward to today when you are a quasi-celebrity, to me at least, (laughs) as the founder of Rogan's List. How would you describe Rogan's List to someone who doesn't know what it is? The original idea still holds today. I wanted to help people who really, really wanted to do something and had no idea how. I wanted to show them how and what they could do relating to this administration. I knew that published information was all over the map, and most people don't know how to ferret out the good, the bad, the ugly. And because of my library background, my journalism background, my debate background, I pretty much have a good handle on quality information or what to steer to, what to steer away from. And so I thought, if I could help people know what the issue is, give them something significant to read that was a quality piece of work and tell them what they could do, that it would be of a help. And it turned out that apparently it was. I feel like I've been subscribing since the first month you started. Maybe it was the second month, but I've been reading it for a really long time. Thank you. It started two days after the election in 2016. It comes in the form of an email. How many times a week? Right now we're coming out three times a week. For the first six months, it was every day and just me. And that's about when all of us realized that this really was going to be a marathon and not a sprint. And I knew I needed help. 
And there were several people who had been conversing with me about how much they liked what I did that I asked them if they would like to join the team. And then we put out a couple queries a couple different times on the list, asking if anybody would be interested and gave people kind of the opportunity to audition. And we now have 12 of us doing this. And are you guys scattered all around? Do you ever meet in person? We have never met each other. We've never done a Skype call. We've never done a Zoom meeting. Everything is by email. We are from coast to coast, and one of us is in Canada. And it's absolutely amazing how well we work together. And my first instruction to everybody is choose things that touch you. Because if they touch you, they're going to touch other people. And in a given month, maybe everyone sends me between two and five things for each issue. Maybe there's an overlap of maybe four things, very little overlap. And often when there is an overlap, the ask is different, which lends a whole nother possibility. Well, just to give people a sense of how detailed and comprehensive your lists are, your emails, I looked at today's and counted 27 action steps, groups to follow, articles to read, plus links that you include every time for contacting your elected officials. It's not fancy. It's not colorful. It doesn't have cool graphics. It doesn't have any graphics. It is a list. It is a list. What to me, it has always felt like is a serious compendium of actions for people who are serious about speaking out. It's not trying to convert people. It's trying to help people who already know it's important. And it also has always struck me as a true reflection of a librarian's talent for research and organization. I mean, it's just- I always feel like I can trust the information in there. And that's become kind of a rare commodity these days. Unfortunately. And each issue just feels like it takes a lot of work. How long does it take you to create a typical email? I uploaded it last night, probably about nine o'clock. I always hope somebody doesn't do something really crazy after I uploaded, but it has happened and I have edited or added or taken away in some cases. But by the time I went to bed, I probably had three things ready to go for Thursday. And what I do is as my contributors email stuff to me, they often will, every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, that was on my radar. I don't have to do that one. That was on my radar. I can skip that. But at the end of the day, I'm the one that pulls together. Did we look at today well enough? So do that last minute. What are the big stories that we can do something about? So many of the big stories lately, we just can't because there's nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's one thing I really appreciate about the newsletter because it's about action. It's not about ranting. I think some people only want to rant and that's really not doesn't seem to me like your audience. Tell me about your readership. Who did you originally create the newsletter for? Well, in my head, I originally did it for my book club, thinking that these were wonderful people who I know would do something if they knew what to do. And then I started sharing some of the actions in a couple 
progressive Facebook groups. And within a couple days, somebody said, could you please turn this into a blog? And as much as I didn't want a new learning curve in my life, I did it and it was easier than I thought it would be. And so it turned into a blog and it now gets posted to Twitter by several different accounts every day. It's uploaded by volunteers to many, 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 many. At one point, it was 125 Facebook groups each time so that a lot of people get it that way rather than subscribing because they don't want their inboxes overloaded. And then from there, I get all kinds of people telling me, well, I shared it with my little group. I shared this with my little group. I used four things out of it for this little group. One of my favorite stories was early on, I got an email from a young mom who said, I got four things done in the car line today. So using time that they might not have otherwise to become freshly engaged in the democratic process. And I think empowering people to do that has been my goal and my passion. Well, I know for me, sometimes it feels like overload, just everything that goes on every day and how much we have to do and speak out about. And then I'll just take a look at your email because I do get it in the form of an email and you will get me pumped up again. And I'll be like, okay, I can do this one thing. Exactly. I mean, do you ever get tired? Do you ever feel that way? (laughs) I'm exhausted. (laughs) It is really tiring. Perhaps the most tiring part is always having to keep up on top of everything. I can tell you that in my downtime during the coronavirus, where most of my state in Michigan are still on a stay home, I'm on season seven of West Wing. (laughs) It's a good show to watch right now. It's a good one to watch right now. But it's like politics is everywhere in my head all the time. And I'm looking forward to reclaiming some of that come November. That'll be nice. Let's hope. Let's work and hope. So you were not really political before this. Is that right? Not really. I was a voracious discusser. I love discussing ideas with people, always have, but not political. What skills do you think have been most helpful to you from your time in libraries and journalism? Being able to sift through the wide variety of information sources now and help pull out the ones that would be good to follow. Yeah, you get pretty granular sometimes, especially with your comments on upcoming regulations. Yeah, we have one contributor who does the regulation piece on Mondays. And what a gift to everyone she is, because there's so much. There really is. And it's overwhelm if you tried to figure it out yourself or most of it just washes over us. That's right. And we just feel helpless to do anything. So for anyone who's really interested in going deep, like, yeah, take a look at your Monday emails because the Mondays, (laughs) yeah, those are great. How many subscribers do you think you have now? Or how many people do you think read it? I guess it's hard to estimate. It is incredibly hard to estimate. I can say we have somewhere about 5,500 email subscribers, but the reach is much bigger. Because of Facebook and Twitter, et cetera. 
even with email, those lists are passed on and on and parts of it are culled for other people's lists. And one of the things that's been so wonderful in, there are probably about five or six of us that do these regular call to actions that we all look at it and do it a little slightly different way, but there's no ego in the resistance, as we say. Getting people to act is the primary function, and we don't really care about attribution, although we do support each other all the time. That's nice to know, because everyone does seem to have a little bit of a different angle. Do you ever hear from your readers? I mean, is there any sort of community that's built up around your readership? I get emails constantly saying, thank you so much for doing this. I didn't really realize all of this was going on. Thank you for making it easy for me to do something. I do, in all honesty, get the occasional questioning of why do you make it so long every day? And I do my best to keep them short. But there's just so much to do. And if somebody does one or two of them, what if that was the one or two I would have tossed out for that day? So I trust my readers are affable enough to do what they need to do. And to skim through and look for the things that resonate with them. I mean, you never know, like you said, what someone is going to pick up on. I probably read it very differently than some of your other readers because I'm looking for things that you always introduce me to new organizations and people that are doing really cool things. And that's why I love to skim through it. Are there any particular areas in which you think the newsletter has been most effective or you feel like it's, do you ever feel a palpable result from things? I mean, I know that's hard to say. Because we're not the only ones doing these kinds of things, we're not going to take any ownership for anything that happens well. I love hearing you say that. And as a matter of fact, that leads to my next question, which is one thing I've always appreciated about your newsletter is the very polite and civil tone that you use. Knowing you're from Michigan, I sort of wondered if maybe that's a part of your Midwestern sensibility, which is so refreshing because I think a lot of people feel like they're so angry that it's fine to be strident and rude. And that's just always a turnoff to me. I think you get lost in the emotion. And I think it's, we are needing to stay measured and rational. I can tell you though, that the first drafts of some of those aren't so much that way. And so we all have a chance to at least get things off our shoulder and then they're rewritten nicely. But it's, Keeping a calm tone, using third person plural makes us all part of what's going on. Yes, it feels inclusive. How has the pandemic changed what your action steps are? Obviously, the topics are a lot having to do with the pandemic, with what is being done or not done, or what could be done better. In many ways, We're reacting to what's going on and helping people have a say, have a voice in where we go next. Don't ever want people to think that they're just stuck. Of course, all leading up to the next election. Of course. Down ticket and all. (laughs) Yes, exactly. We are getting down to the wire. So are there any areas that you 
believe personally are most crucial as we approach election day, or we're not quite approaching it yet. We're in the run up. And where do you think people should focus their efforts? Just a personal opinion. Get involved in a local race, a statewide race, and a national race, and actually do some boots on the ground or fingers on the keys or wherever it will be called. But this is a wonderful chance to change how we do things. And perhaps that's going to be the gift of the pandemic. We don't have to do things the same way anymore. It's a wonderful opportunity, and I hope we take it. So you mentioned that you have a lot of kids and grandchildren as well. Do you feel like being a mother and a grandmother impacted you in a particular way, motivated you to start Rogan's List or to keep doing what you're doing? Whether or not we ever acknowledge it, we are leaving the world to our children and our grandchildren. And I have often said, I would love to see Congress made up of all moms. We know how to solve squabbles. We know how to fix things. We're pretty good at righting wrongs. But I think we have an obligation to do everything we can to do and make this world a better place for our kids. The job we're going to hand over already is overwhelming. If you could say, just look back on this whole journey for you since you started Rogan's List, what are the elements that have brought you the most personal joy in it? Knowing that people are actually using it that I'm not just putting this out there in a vacuum, that people are appreciating it, using it, whether or not they do the things or use it as a jumping off point or say, oh, that gives me a better idea, whatever. It's helping to change mindset. We were so comfortable for so long just trusting our government and things went very well. And I do miss those days, but democracy needs all of us. And if somebody wants to sign up to receive your list or to start getting it, what's the best way for them to do that? If you Google Rogan's list, it comes up. It comes up because it's your blog. And then people sign up to receive it. Got it. Well, Susan, this was so informative and really so inspiring. The fact that you are able to get up every day and think of your readers and find things for them to do and... You don't get tired or you don't let us know you get tired (laughs) and you just keep churning it out, which keeps so many of us going. So I really want to thank you for all the work you do. And I really want to thank you for speaking to me today. Thank you. And you're very welcome. Thank you for listening. New Faces of Democracy is created and produced by me, Nancy Bynum. And in addition to being the host, I'm also the CEO, the CFO, and the administrative assistant. If you enjoyed this episode, please help New Faces of Democracy grow by subscribing on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. You can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for more inspiration, check out my other profiles at newfacesofdemocracy.org and follow New Faces of Democracy on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook.